Hey, it's Ian Altman. Our guest this week is Jay Baer. He's a seventh-generation entrepreneur. He's written six best-selling books, and his latest book, Talk Triggers, is sure to be a seventh. He's founded five multimillion-dollar companies. He's the president of a company called Convince and Convert. And the most iconic brands on the planet, like the United Nations, 3M, and Hilton, use them to keep and keep more customers. He's a recent inductee into the Professional Speaking Hall of Fame. He's an avid tequila collector and the thing that's most near and dear to my heart, a certified barbecue judge. We're going to talk about what creates talk triggers and drives word of mouth. We'll talk about the biggest, biggest misconceptions that people have about word of mouth. And we'll lay out the specific steps that you can take to generate talk triggers in your business that drive more buzz and more customers to your business. You are going to learn a ton from Jay Bear. Jay Bear, welcome to the show. Man, Ian, it is fantastic to be here. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to interact with you, my friend. Can you share something surprising about you that our audience may not already know? How long's the show? Because <laughs> I know we could we could do a whole episode on that. I suspect. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll go with this. Um, I founded the radio station at my university, the University of Arizona. Uh, for a long time, I was sort of an indie uh, indie rock guy, managed all the concerts, went to all the South by Southwest festivals, and it was just music back in the day and uh, all that stuff. Awesome. Yeah, there, and so our audience knows, we know each other well enough that I know surprising stuff that we just can't share on the air. That's right. That's right. It's by by permission only. Exactly. And and let's just face it; it's not something we should uh, we should be discussing in any public forum. I've already said too much. That's um, right. So, the I'm excited to talk to you about your latest book, Talk Triggers, and really, it's just it's it's just such a great resource for the things that business can do to become remarkable and generate word of mouth. What's the greatest misconception? that you see that businesses and leaders have when it comes to word of mouth? I would say two. One is that you don't need a plan for it, right? So everybody listening cares about word of mouth. Word of mouth impacts 50% of all purchases and 90% of B2B purchases, yet nobody actually has a strategy for it, right? You've got a marketing strategy, you have a sales strategy, you've got a digital marketing strategy, you might have a social selling strategy, you might have a crisis management strategy, hiring, recruiting strategy, but you don't have a word of mouth strategy. Which brings us to the second problem, which is that businesses believe that competency creates conversation, that if you are a quote-unquote good business, that your customers will talk about you, but they won't because good is not an interesting story. Like I don't know everybody listening. I definitely know some people listening, no question, but I do know this. Nobody listening to this show right now has ever said, hey, uh, let me tell you about this perfectly adequate experience I just had <laughs> because that's a terrible story, right? It's not interesting to the listener. So what we have to do to create word of mouth is give our customers a consistent story to tell. And if you do that, they will tell that story. And the best businesses in the world don't have to spend a lot of money on advertising or marketing because their customers are their advertising and their marketing. Yeah, I remember in season one on this show, I had Seth Godin on and Seth said, look, the idea of remarkable just means that it's something worth remarking about. That's it. That's it. That's the definition of the word, worthy of remark. And and I think that that's what many businesses overlook is I'll say to people, well, gee, what, what really stands out in your business? And they'll say, 
Well, I mean, you know, we, we deliver things on time. Well, that's really expected. <laughs> that only works that that only works as as a differentiator if nobody else in your industry does. Yeah. But if you can say we're the only ones on time, everybody else is late. All right. Uh, I'll buy that, but that's probably not the case. Yeah, like when you, when you look at early on when FedEx was the only overnight delivery and their mm-hmm. whole slogan was when it absolutely positively has to that's be there overnight. Right. That worked great until, well, the post office can do it and UPS can do it and DHL yeah. can do it. And all of a sudden it's like, well, um, you know, and, and I always think it's funny that, you know, Avis is for the longest time was we try harder. Like, right. yeah, I don't know if that's really doing it for well, me. Well, actually, but- it was funny in the same industry. The example that we use in the book and, and the new book is is called Talk Triggers. I wrote it with uh, my buddy Daniel Lemon. In the book, one of the examples we use about a talk trigger, a word-of-mouth differentiator that no longer is relevant, is for enterprise rental car. As you probably know, Ian, for 20 years, their slogan, their differentiator, their whole reason for being was, we'll pick you up. Right? They were the only rental car company that would drop off a car, pick you up, etc. And that was a pretty good differentiator. Until Uber, right? So <laughs> at this point, like now, like why would I want a weird rental car kid to drop me off? Like I've got a, I've got a phone. I can just press a button That's and it. I can go anywhere. So they had to abandon that as their differentiator, and they've got to move on to something different. Yeah, and and I, I love how in the book you talk about the different like hospitality brands and like in the things that. So it, it's funny if we think about our audiences, which is largely executives, um, and and sales leadership people, so people who have probably spent a fair amount of time in hotels, you know, if if I said to them, okay, so Doubletree Hotel, what do you think of? Everyone's going to give the same answer. Almost always they say cookie. And that's because Doubletree Hotels has been giving a warm chocolate chip cookie to every guest on check-in every day for 30 years. It's 75,000 cookies a day. Wow. Now – you may notice that Doubletree doesn't do a lot of advertising because the cookie is their advertising. And I know this because Daniel and I interviewed 1,000 Doubletree customers for the book and found that 34% of them have, without being asked, told somebody else about the cookie in the last 60 days. That is 25,000 people a day, every day, talking about their differentiator. Now, if you're a sales professional, if you're an executive, this makes your life so much easier. If if your customers, your current customers, are driving awareness and filling the top of the funnel for you, all you've got to do is take those people and push them through the funnel. Yeah, I, I, re- I remember years ago, I, I spent a ridiculous number of nights at the Four Seasons Philadelphia. And I remember I remember on the on, – it was a weekend we were going to go up there and my wife says, hey, I wonder if we can bring the dog. So we asked them. I said, hey, you know, can we bring the dog? Here's the size of the dog. They said, yeah, that's uh, absolutely. That's fine, Mr. Altman. What's the dog's name? And I'm like, what's the dog's name? What, they got to like put the dog in the registry? Like, you know, I'm sorry. He's not allowed to stay in the room. We don't have his name on the on the roster here. He's <laughs> a passport? Exactly. It's like, it's like, oh, whatever. Well, the dog's name was Noodles. It's like, all right, so it's embarrassing enough. I got to give the dog's name. Like, why do they need this? So we can, we get to the hotel the next week. We show up. We walk in. Oh, hi, Mr. and Mrs. Altman. Hi, Noodles. That's and it was funny. like, what? It's like, you know, everyone in the hotel knew the dog's name. 
every the the doorman, the concierge, the person at the front desk. Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Altman. Hi, Noodles. We get into the we get into this this suite at the Four Seasons. Like I said we stayed there a ridiculous number of nights. So they anytime I was traveling with Deborah, they took great care of us. We get in the room and about five minutes in there, there's a knock on the door, and I'm like, "Wow, this is you know, I'm sure they're sending up some strawberries or something like that." And one of the room service guys comes in. He's got a cart. He says, um, where would you like us to put noodles bowls? I'm like, what? And they, so they have a sterling silver tray with two sterling silver bowls. The gentleman takes out a little like doggy bag and with tongs reaches in and takes out a dog biscuit that has his name on it that wow. the that the pastry chef made that is a dog treat, not like something dogs shouldn't eat, puts them into the bowl reaches into the cart, takes out a bottle of Evian, and cracks the seal, and pours into the second bowl for the dog. The dog hops off the silk sofa, walks over there, drinks some water, and his little collar is dinging against the bowl. Now, in the meantime, Deborah and I had gotten into the room. We were thirsty, so, you know, there's ice in the room. So I just, you know, you know with the tap, just filled our glasses with ice and water, and Deborah looks at me and she goes, "What's wrong with this picture? The dog's drinking Evian <laughs> and we're drinking tap water." The reason I share that is that I must have shared that story three hundred times. Yeah, it's great, and it's yes. like, and it has nothing to do with the hotel, the room, the towels, the the dining room, anything. But it has everything to do with what their brand stands for. Now, here's the question I have, and I don't know the answer to this because I haven't heard you tell that story. Do they do that for everybody who has a dog on premise? That's the, that's the question. And, and for us in the parlance of the book, that's what differentiates it as a talk trigger or something else, right? Typically, we call it in marketing surprise and delight, which is where you take one customer in a particular circumstance and you treat that customer extraordinarily well so that they might tell stories about it or share it in social media. Now, that there is merit to that approach, but it's not really a strategy. It's a lottery ticket. Yep. You know, and, and, and so what we always say is that to have a real talk trigger, something that, that you can you can bank on every day, like the double tree cookie, it has to be repeatable, which means it's available to all customers in all circumstances, right? Everybody gets a cookie at Doubletree. It's not just it's not just Hilton Honors men, members, it's not just uh, old ladies, it's not just on Wednesday. It's every person every day for 30 years. Yep. And so I don't know uh, in the in the noodles example whether everybody who's got a dog gets that treatment or just Ian Altman because you're awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I do know one of the things that they do is when you're traveling with young children, because we, we used to travel there a lot when when our daughter who and, and Jay's and, and and our kids are about the same age, um, when our when our oldest one was an infant, we would travel up there and they would say, Oh, well, so how um how old is Rachel now? And we would tell her and you would get into the room and they would have diapers in her size. And I know they do that for every um you know, every infant who's staying there, I know that's something they definitely do. I don't know about the dogs because I asked them, I said, well, it's always great that you guys do this. So, yeah, we do that for everybody who has children because you have enough to worry about. I'm yeah, thinking that's good. That's amazing. Like that's just really because good. if you come and you don't have that, your stay is going to be miserable. You know, if you forgot Absolutely. something, it's going to be miserable. But they had like it was all dialed in. You're thinking to yourself, this is way nicer than what we have at home. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Now, there's lots of examples of, of of hospitality brands, restaurants, business to consumer facing organizations that have talk triggers and good word of mouth programs. What I find super interesting, and there's some good examples in the book, are, are are sort of B2B companies, right? Sort of the less sexy brands who 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 sort of 
run counter to the typical B2B spirit, which is we don't want to do anything creative or risky. And and one of my favorite examples, actually a client of mine, it's a program that my team and I at Convince and Convert created for a business called Superior Glove. And Superior Glove is a manufacturer of, of work gloves outside of Toronto. And they make work gloves for like every conceivable, like super specific job. So if you do this thing on an oil derrick, they've got specialized gloves for this. It's really remarkable. They compete against some Asian companies who produce lower quality, not as specialized, but less expensive work gloves. So they hired uh, my team and I to come up with a talk trigger, a word of mouth strategy to emphasize to their customers that they are from North America and are high quality. So we went through the entire process, the six-step process that we use to, to develop talk triggers. It's the same process that we document in the book. And we discovered, Ian, this idea that they, to their credit, were all in on and have put into practice. If you have a pair of Superior Glove uh, work gloves now, on the back is their logo. If you scratch the logo and then sniff it, maple syrup. <laughs> maple syrup, maple syrup, scratch and sniff work gloves. That is their talk trigger. That's great. And so what what kind of buzz does it create for them? Oh, I mean, just imagine and it's really interesting because in their in their line of work, you know, the guy who's wearing the gloves doesn't buy the gloves. The gloves are bought by a safety officer, right? Who buys them 500 at a time. But you can imagine you're like swinging a pickaxe and you're like, hey, Lenny, how can we keep smelling your hands? And it's like, well, <laughs> check this out, right? It's like, oh, I got to get some of those. He goes back to the safety officers. I want some of those new gloves. Well, some of them smell like maple syrup. Lenny says they're super comfortable too. They keep protecting his hands, right? So the, the people wearing the gloves are talking about them to the person who orders the gloves, who then goes to superior glove and says, hey, I want more of these. So it's almost a chain reaction up the uh, uh, up kind of the supply chain for them. And, and have they actually measured the impact? Yeah, so uh, a couple ways. So they're, they're, they're measuring it on increase in sales because uh, they're rolling it out, you know, sort of line by line. Increase in sales of, of the gloves that have the scratch or sniff versus those that don't. Uh, and then proactive, unaided mentions of that talk trigger by the customers. And then a quarterly customer survey where they give them a pick list of attributes and they see which, uh, how many customers actually mention and, and, and point out, oh, yeah, the maple syrup thing. Wow. I, you know what I just and and the brilliant of the brilliance of it is that they didn't pick like oh yeah and we're gonna do flowers because they got to know their audience. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and it, part of it is you've got to make sure your talk trigger is is relevant. In their case, maple syrup, Canadian company, makes sense. Sometimes organizations come up with an idea that might create conversation, but it doesn't really resonate because it's not in context with who that company is or or what that company does, right? Doubletree Hotels, right? Warm welcome is is their shtick, right? So a cookie when you check in, like, oh yeah, I get that. That that makes perfect sense. If you walk if you checked into a Doubletree Hotel uh, and they gave you a sweet pencil sharpener, you'd be like, well, that's kind of weird. Like it just wouldn't make any sense, right? So, so it has to it has to be thematically uh, appropriate. In, in fact, in the book, you talk about the four criteria yeah. for a talk trigger. So let's yeah. let's sure. let's talk that out a little bit because I want to make sure that people have some yeah. actionable stuff they can use. One quick note before I go through the four criteria is that a talk trigger is not marketing. It's not a contest. It's not a campaign. It's not a coupon. It's not a promotion. It's not a slogan. 
It is an operational choice that you make in your business that subsequently creates marketing and sales advantages, right? So it's not a shtick. It is a choice. You choose to give people cookies. You choose to add a scratch and sniff panel to your gloves. You choose uh, to have a custom dog treat, right? That's not a campaign. It's a choice. It's, It's how you do business. Yep. So it's it's not it's not a gimmick. It's not a part gimmick. of your DNA. Exactly. Yeah. So like in in my in my business, one of the things I'm a stickler for is every event I speak at, every group I work with, I'm always following up on what are the measurable results, what impact are you seeing, and it's interesting because I will get referrals and people will say to me, "Oh yeah, these other guys said that you were like relentless on making sure they got results," and it's just. I, I just don't know another way of doing it. Right. Right. I mean, might as well. Right. And that, that's and, and because most people aren't that that stands out in, in your business, which is which is ironic, right? That, yeah. that most people are focused ironic. on results. I don't even want to go there, but that's a different podcast. Exactly. But not everything that you choose, like not every differentiator uh, can be a talk trigger. It has to have these four and all of these four requirements. First thing is it has to be remarkable. Yep. We touched on that a moment ago. Seth talks about that in The Purple Cow. It has to be worthy of remark, right, If it, because people only tell interesting stories. It also must be repeatable, which we talked about earlier as well. It must be offered to all customers, not just certain customers. It must be relevant. We just talked about that. It has to make sense in the context of, of who you are and what you are. And the fourth ingredient is it must be reasonable. One of the things that we're guilty of in business, especially today, because attention is hard to come by and, and, and it's, it's very competitive out there to break through to, to consumers and potential customers, sometimes we make the mistake of saying, all right, we've got to get some attention. So what we're going to do is really wow them. We're going to have a contest, and the winner is going to get an island. Like, what? <laughs> and the problem with it is it makes sense in the, in the conference room. That, all that idea makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, and everybody will pay attention to it because they're going to give away an island. Well, the problem is when you try to offer an experience to customers that's too grand, it creates suspicion, not conversation. All of a sudden, it's like, what's their motive? If they're giving what's away the that, catch, right? Yeah. Where's the terms and conditions? Do I need to read the the actual fine print here, right? They start to doubt the veracity of the whole thing, and that's not going to create conversation because the customer doesn't want to say, "Hey, Ian, they're going to give away an island," and then the whole thing's is is kind of a hoax somehow, and then you look bad, like you look like a bad operator. Then, so what we recommend is sort of the Goldilocks principle. You want a talk trigger that is interesting enough that it's remarkable, but not so over the top that it creates distrust. And 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 what are what are some of the what are some of the traps that you've seen people where it's like, man, their intention was good, but they just went off the rails? Because I'm sure during the research you found some examples that uh, maybe weren't so great. Sometimes uh, people try to come up with a talk trigger and and it gets co-opted. Uh, you can't protect it, right? So uh, one of my favorite examples also from from hotels, you may remember this, Ian, that Weston Hotels a few years ago rolled out the heavenly bed. Remember oh, yeah. that? And, and their whole idea was that they were going to have the most comfy bed in all of hotels and they were going to invest in a bunch of quote unquote sleep technology. I'm not really sure what sleep technology is, but they were going to they were going to do that and it was gonna be the most comfy bed and you would actually pick uh, Weston because it had the best bed. Well, that – 
makes sense on paper. However, they did roll that out, spent millions of dollars on it, frankly. And then Marriott, Hilton Garden Inn, and two or three other brands rolled out their own version of the heavenly bed, different sleep technology. So they had a talk trigger, but they couldn't protect it. So they had to go back to the drawing board. And sometimes that happens. You don't know whether it's going to happen or not. Sometimes you get lucky. I mean, look at look at Doubletree. They've been giving out a chocolate chip cookie for 30 years, and nobody has really co-opted it. So you, you don't really know how competition is going to react. Uh, and we've certainly seen that, though, that that you roll one out, and then you got to do something different. And that happens all the time. We actually talk about that in the book. Like, what happens if somebody steals your idea? The rock star top performer you're looking for in your sales organization isn't looking for a job right now. In fact, they are totally content crushing it for somebody else. The folks at Peak Sales Recruiting have discovered an approach so that those rock star candidates will quickly discover that they're better off working for you than for somebody else. And if you've ever wondered, what are the right questions to ask to know if I'm getting a great candidate or just someone who's going to be okay? Well, they also have a sales interview guide available. You can learn more about Peak Sales Recruiting and get their free sales interview guide by visiting peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian. So when somebody steals your idea, what do you do? Because I'm sure there are people listening going, yeah, we came up with this great idea and someone stole it. Yeah. So now what? You got to go back to the drawing board. So when, in the process that, that we recommend where you, of, of how you create talk triggers, in, in the third step of that process, you actually have a list of candidate triggers. Five or six ideas that are both, you know, that, that are remarkable, that are repeatable, uh, that are reasonable, that are relevant, and and that you could actually do. You're going to put one of those into practice. You're going to test it, right? You always want to test this every nth customer, particular location, etc. And then if it's got sufficient chatter, then you roll it out to the whole enterprise. But if you've got to go to something else because somebody stole your idea or just didn't work or became too operationally complex or whatever the circumstances are. The first thing you do is you go back to your candidate list and say, okay, what were the other four or five that we considered but didn't actually put into practice? That's the seed corn for your next one. Excellent. Excellent. So this way it's, it's, you've already got, you've always got something else sitting there in the queue. It's interesting. In the book, you talk about Uber conference as an example and their hold music. And I remember, I remember talking to Tony Shea at Zappos. And so Zappos said, I have all sorts of clever stuff when people are on hold. And, and they said, people would call in and say, and they would answer the call and they said, can you put me back on hold? That was hilarious. It's like, <laughs> it's right. like, um, can I please, can I please be put on hold? Yeah, and it's just it's just kind of a funny thing because it makes it so that, and I can I can think of companies years ago where that was the thing, and it's like you would call up, and if they answered quickly, you're like, oh man, like that bit was so funny, yeah, and it just made it so the whole time, yeah, wasn't that long, yeah. There's a there's, that a long. there's a story we have in the book about a locksmith. His name's Jay Sofer. And he's in Manhattan, and he's the highest-rated locksmith in Manhattan, and he's actually one of the highest-rated on Yelp businesses in all of Manhattan. So you can imagine what that requires. There's more more than a couple of businesses in New York City. And he uh, has, has a, a great talk trigger. So he he finishes uh, doing whatever he's going to do, rekey in your apartment or whatever, and then he oils all the locks in your apartment, doors and windows, not just the one he worked on but all of them. Then he does a security audit of your entire premises and does all that for free. We found a Yelp review for this guy that says, I almost want to get locked out again. That's how much I love Jay Sofer. I'm like, man, that's a strong, that's a strong testimonial right there.
but that's but but that's what it's all about. It's it's about doing the unexpected or doing a little bit more. It's that's you know it. It, it's it's like when after an event someone comes up to you or would come up to me and says, "Man, I love how everything was just tailored to our audience." And it doesn't happen by accident. There's just there's work we put in, but you know, to some of us it seems like that should just be the standard. Um, not everyone's necessarily willing to do that, but that notion of somebody saying, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to do all this extra work and I'm no math wizard, but I'm guessing as he's oiling all the other locks and doing a security audit, he may from time to time uncover new business as well. Oh, of course. Just a hunch. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. But more to the point, everybody you know, well, maybe not everybody, almost everybody you know is eventually going to need a locksmith for something. Yeah. And and locksmiths are such that like what, what I mean well, you're just you're going to look on Google I mean you you know everybody who has an experience with him is going to tell that story to somebody else and you may not remember his name but if you told me the story about the guy who oiled your locks into the security audit that's going to stick in my mind and a year from now when I need to rekey my apartment I'm going to I'm going to call you up and say Ian actually I'd hit you on Facebook Messenger I'd say Ian you told me one time about a locksmith guy who who did this awesome thing who was that guy. Yeah, exactly. Right? And now he has a customer because of that story a year later. And this is one of the reasons, kind of going back to your original question, that businesses have slept on word of mouth for a thousand years because it can be difficult to do the attribution because it could literally be a year or two after you tell me the story that it actually yields a new customer. So mathematically, it can be tricky to measure, certainly trickier than Facebook ads or, or direct sales or any number of other things, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure that's the, I'm sure that's a great misconception. Now I know that you've got a, you've got a guide for our audience, the six step guide to creating talk triggers. So, um, so where can they find that? So if people go to talktriggers.com, not only is the six-step guide to creating your own talk trigger available there, but a bunch of other resources that aren't even in the book. Uh, there's a discussion guide. There's a presentation. There's all the charts and graphs from the book. There's a whole bunch of supplemental research called Chatter Matters, the 2018 word of mouth report that talks about how we vote, uh, how we buy, how we shop. Uh, it's really, here's a good stat from the Chatter Matters report, Ian. You'll like this. of Americans trust online anonymous reviews more than they trust a face-to-face recommendation from an ex-girlfriend. That's great. (laughs) That's great. Now, now, did you also compare it to an existing spouse or significant other? We did not. I did not. (laughs) In the interest of my own relationships, we did not ask that question. Probably should have. Uh, But, you know, it's it's, uh, election season, and and one of the things that was interesting in this data – is I, I uh, probably should have said this in the what do people not know about you, but my background is in politics. I was a political campaign manager when I first started out. And this is the first year um, that that I think the number is $10 billion will be spent on campaigns and elections in the US, which is mind-boggling. The research show that advertising is the seventh most effective way to get somebody to vote. Seventh. <laughs> Word of mouth is second. So... And, and the first is a guy named Tommy the Thumb. <laughs> the first is uh, personal experience with the candidate. Yeah. 
but word of mouth being a close second. So close second, yeah, that's it. And and so there's tons of great research in there. So if people go to talktriggers.com, there is a panoply, a cornucopia, a wheelbarrow, a crib full of <laughs> free resources there to get you fired up about the premise. And hopefully you'll buy a book as well. That'd be sweet. And it's also the only business book ever published that has alpacas on the cover. Uh, so that's the way that you'll know it. If you see it in the airports, it's in airports right now. Uh, if you see a hot pink book with alpacas, you know that's Talk Triggers. Yeah, the only, which is a Talk Trigger in and of itself, is it's the cover accident. of two alpacas, which having spent some time in Peru, um, my son said, I think we ate that one, but anyhow, that's, <laughs> that's a we have another talk trigger on the back of the book, Ian, which I don't know if I, if I told you this story, uh, we wanted to make sure we, we, you know, follow our own advice here. So there's a, uh, an empathy talk trigger, we would call it, um, talkably empathetic where it says right in the back of the book, big guarantee. If you do not love this book unconditionally, Jay, that's me, Daniel, my co-author, Send us an email. Here's the address. We will buy you any other book in the world, regardless of cost. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. You know, because I'm thinking about my daughter is in school, and some of these academic books are a little pricey. It's funny you say that, because when we come up with this idea, (laughs) this one was my brainchild. Daniel says, hey, that's a cool talk trigger. But what if somebody wants a $1,000 cookbook to which I said, please let that happen because I will have a press release written in 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And the press release headline will be authors lose $971 on a book guarantee. Exactly. I love it. That is fantastic. So, So is the best place for people to learn more about you and connect with you at Talk Triggers? Well, certainly for the book and word of mouth stuff, talktriggers.com to, to find me, uh, convinceandconvert.com, which is our consulting firm and everything you want to know about digital marketing and word of mouth and customer service, or jbear.com, which is my uh, my site for, for speaking and hijinks. And, and for any of you who have an opportunity to bring Jay in to speak to your organization, um, I will guarantee that, that you Thank will you, have brother. an amazing experience. Um, I've had the good pleasure of of knowing Jay and seeing him speak many times, and you will be in very good hands. So my friend Jay, thank you so much for joining us. I was delighted to be here, Ian. Nothing but the best to you and your listeners. Uh, Thanks so much. All right, cool. Jay is just a wealth of knowledge, and I strongly encourage you to pick up a copy of Talk Triggers. I don't get anything from it, but your business will benefit immensely. It is a fantastically well-written book with a lot of great information that can help benefit your business. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information from this episode that I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, recognize that word of mouth or talk triggers happen whether you have a plan or not. And competency does not lead to word of mouth or something remarkable. When something is remarkable, it means it's worthy of remark. And a talk trigger does not equal marketing. So it's not a gimmick. It's more something dialed into your DNA. And the four criteria for a talk trigger are to be remarkable, be relevant, reasonable, and repeatable. And, of course, visit um, TalkTriggers.com to pick up that six-step guide to creating talk triggers. Um, and it's something you'll get a ton of benefit from. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on the program or a topic you'd like me to cover, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. 
Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your client.